sent me that, that commercial. Um, as we've been going through this series, some of you said, have you seen this commercial? And it's, uh, it's kind of this move in, in Canada to get people simply to eat together. And um, I, I was just thinking, how great would that be in the United States right now, just to eat together? Would it be a good thing for us just to eat together and not bring up politics? <laughs> <laughs> we've been in this series... Um, called The Art of Neighboring, and we're trying to learn uh, how to love our neighbors, and it's not easy to do this. Uh, I, found myself, I, uh, I found myself convicted again and again by the Scripture and, and the simplicity of it, yet my, my lack of obedience to it. And misery loves company, so I've invited you along on the journey, <laughs> and I, I hope I hope it's been convicting to you as well. Um, you know, one of the, one of the, the stats that, that I looked at a few weeks ago when we talked about neighboring in the United States, do you know what one of the most divisive issues between neighbors is in today's world? What, what would you guess? Politics, yeah, yeah. A few of you, that's your first guess, politics, and you'd be right about that. It's interesting how, how divisive politics are even on our streets. And I had a friend who came up to me a few weeks ago, and he's, he lives in Iowa, and he said, uh, he said to me, you know what, you know what helped me uh, in my relationship with my neighbor? And I said, what? And he said, it's when I quit putting up political signs in my yard. And he, 
and, and he said, when I, when I quit doing that, it was like my neighbor automatically uh, was open to a, a relationship there. Just simply not putting those up created a, an opportunity for relationship. And uh, I, I know we get passionate about our politics, and, and we have deep-seated beliefs about politics, and, and today's not about politics, don't worry. Um, but we're called to love our neighbors, regardless of uh, race, uh, political preferences, ethnicities, and any of those things. We're called to love our neighbors. In fact, the entire series is built around, and, and it's so simplistic, it's, it's built around what, what's called in, in the Bible the, the greatest commandment. And you can find it a few times in Scripture, a few different places. Um, we, we've been looking at the Matthew chapter 22 uh, passage that, that uh, some religious leaders asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment in all the law? In other words, what rises to the top? You know, if, if I forget everything else, what should I remember, Jesus? I mean, this is a good question. I used to ask this in class all the time. Teacher, uh, is this going to be on the test? And if not, I'm not going to write it down. I'm not going to waste my time. And how much is it worth? You know what I mean? Um, we all want to know those kind of things. Like, I don't want to waste my time if it's not going to be on the test. I don't want to waste my time if it's not important. And, and Jesus said, here it is. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he said, this is, this is the first and greatest commandment. Now, we would expect Jesus, a great teacher, a, a rabbi in his day, to say this, right? I mean, we would expect this to be the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I, we get that. And uh, the difficulty is, is learning how to do that, but, but we get that that's probably the greatest commandment. Uh, it's for us as a, as a community, for us as a church, it's, it's why we started the year with a series called Sacred Rhythms. The, the, the idea behind that series was simply, how do we create rhythms in our lives that opens the, the conduit between us and God? How do, we, how do we create some rhythms that connect us with God so that we might love him with our heart, soul, and mind? Uh, but Jesus doesn't stop there. He says a second is equally important. In other words, a second one is on level playing field with loving God. Now, uh, like I said, we would all assume that the greatest commandment is to love God. But, but Jesus says, you, you cannot stop with just that. Like, that's not it. There's, there's another one. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, all the law and all the prophets, all the teachings of the prophets, they hang on these two things. They're, 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 they're foundational in, in these two things. In other words, all of the sacred scripture that they had in those days are based on these two things. Loving God and loving our neighbors ourselves. Now, I, I've admitted to you a number of times, I've confessed to you that I've, I've, uh, I've diluted this a little bit in saying that we should just love everyone, right? That, that what, what Jesus was saying is to love God and, and love others, period. Now, that's true. We should love everyone. We should love others. But sometimes uh, we fail to love others if we fail to love those who are closest to us. Now, how many of you know this, um, some of you who are married or have once been married, that sometimes the hardest people to, to love in practical ways are those who actually live in our own home, right? That it, it, for some reason, it's just, it's just hard at times to love those who are closest to us because we've become so comfortable with them. And I think with our neighbors that we drive by all the time, sometimes we're even oblivious to their presence in our lives. And so Jesus, whereas I think he, he would say that we should love everyone, I, I wonder if he, he would say, start with your neighbors. 
your, your actual neighbors, those who live next door or in the apartment or the condo right next to you or in front of you or behind you. Start with them. And so we began with this simple task. Uh, we gave you a, a magnet that had boxes on it, and we said, well, we can't love our neighbors if we don't know our neighbors, so at least let's try to learn the names of our neighbors. Now, um, I'm going to take a risk here. For those of you who have been coming, how many of you have learned at least one new name of a neighbor that you didn't know before the series? A little bit of a risk. Yes, I'm so glad somebody raised their hand. Um, <laughs> We would have to do the series all over again, and then it would have been uncomfortable for everybody. So um, I'm so glad because sometimes we fail to learn the names of those who live all around us. I, I did as well. We've, we've learned some names of, of neighbors around us, and it's been good just to, to get to know them. So we began with the simple task of just learning their names. Now, First uh, John is, is a tiny little book. Of, it's, a, it's a little letter that, that one of Jesus' followers wrote. Uh, soon after he was gone. And uh, in 1 John, John, John writes this, we can be sure we know God if we obey his commands. Now, this, this kind of got convicting with this, this series for me. We can be sure we know God if we obey his commands. If someone claims I know God but doesn't obey or, or follow, that person is a liar <laughs> and, and not living in the truth. Aren't you glad you came to church today um, to hear that? But John just, I mean, he, he just writes it like it is. Like, if, if you say you love God, but you don't do even the most basics of what he asks you to do, are, are you really a follower of Jesus? Are you, are you, are you really someone who loves him? Uh, but those who obey God's words truly show how completely they love him. That's how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live as Jesus lived, as, as Jesus taught, Right? I mean, this is the convicting piece. If, if we really love God, or we say that we love God, or we want to, to walk in a way that honors God, we should start with the most basic things, and that is to love him to the best of our ability and to actually love our neighbors as we love ourselves, to know our neighbors. Uh, the, the second week in the series, we talked about the Good Samaritan, where, where one, of, one of the followers just simply asked, hey, um, who's my neighbor then? right? And, and Jesus is trying to explain who his neighbor is. And so he tells a story that many of us have heard called the Good Samaritan. Uh, a man was beaten and left for dead. And then uh, a bunch of religious people just walked right on by without even paying attention to him. And then it says this, a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Now this word compassion has, this is the one that's messed with me from week two. Because I found myself saying, I don't know if I feel anything for my neighbors. Like, I drive by them every day, and I, and I don't know that, I, that there's any sort of feeling in me. You remember that movie, The Sixth Sense? I see dead people. Like, sometimes I don't even see people. I just, you know, and I'm just being honest. It, are you guys with me on this? Do you ever feel this way, too, that you just drive by your neighbors and you don't even see them? And, and, and it's not even that we don't see them. We don't feel anything. And so one of my prayers, and I hope one of your prayers, is simply that God would help you feel something for your neighbors. God, I want to feel compassion for my neighbors, even if it's just one of them. Give me, give me some compassion for them. Let me feel something that would cause me to take a step of faith and, and reach out to them. Uh, Matt Zelich, our, our student ministry pastor, uh, spoke that week uh, in, in very convicting. If you, you can go back and watch all these on, on our Vimeo channel if you'd, if you'd like to catch up. 
Uh, and then last week we talked about this, this salt and light that we are called to be, and, and Jesus makes this statement. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the world. I, I like the, that imagery, you know, that we're to be the salt seasoning that, that brings out the, the good flavors in the world. And the, and the homework this last week um, was to, to take some flavor to your neighbor. I tried to rhyme it so we'd remember it. Um, <laughs> Take some flavor to your neighbor. And, and some of you said, I, I, I'm not good at baking or anything, and so just buy something that tastes good and take it, like not fruitcake, um, <laughs> something to your neighbor that might taste good. Uh, and I, I'm not going to ask you if you did that. I know some of you did because you sent me, you sent me uh, some stories. Uh, some of you, one of you brought me a pie this last week, which, God bless you, that was awesome. <laughs> You said, I made pies for my other neighbors, and I had one and brought it to me and um, gained a little weight. It was bring some flavor to your neighbor. So we, we did this this last week. Uh, we, we baked some cookies. Uh, Robin baked some cookies because she does it better than, than me, and they're really good. And, and so we took them around to our neighbors, and, and we began to learn things again. I mean, it's like they open their lives to you when you bring good things to them. God gives you an opportunity to connect with them. And we met Katie. Uh, two houses down, and we had seen her, but we hadn't really talked to her, and, and come to find out, she has two daughters, one who lives in chi- Chicago, go Cubs, and the other who lives in Washington, D.C., and come to find out, the one in Washington, D.C. Uh, works for a nonprofit, and we started to talk about her, and she like opens up a little bit with her life, and then she asked me the dreaded question, what do you do? <laughs> I'm like, oh, here we go, and I said, I said, I, I don't tell people what I do. I, I said that to her, and um, she said, oh, you don't have a job. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor. And she said, what? And I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. <laughs> she said, okay, good to meet you. And um, uh, People start to open up their lives. So then on the other side of the street, down when we brought some brownies, we still talked, I'm just kidding, but... Uh, uh, Phil and Jane, who also have two daughters, but they're young daughters. And so we had, we had told Katie, who lived down here, uh, you, know, you know, if our kids ever cause problems, just let us know. We're so sorry if they throw anything at your house. And she said, I love kids in our neighborhood. She said, when we were young, uh, we lived in this, this area, and, and it was like there were so many uh, retired people, and we called them WTDs. And I was like, WTDs? And she said, they were just waiting to die. And she said, and she said, she said that's, that's what I am now. She said this to me. She said, that's what I am now, and kids bring life to the neighborhood. She said, I love kids. Don't worry about your kids doing anything. Let them out. Let them, loud. Let them be loud. I love those kind of neighbors. Um, so it's so good just to bring, bring some flavor to your neighbor. If you haven't done it yet, do it. Do it. And a couple of you have said to me, Matt, I've lived in my house for 20 years. I don't know any of my neighbors. It will just be weird if I do that. Okay, let it be weird. You'll get over the awkwardness. And you know what you'll find most of the time is, is they'll say to you, they'll say, you know what, we've been meaning to do this too, and we just haven't had the time, and we are so sorry we haven't reached out to you. Most of them will say that. Um, I don't think any of them will slam their door on you. Just, just take a step and, and be some salt seasoning in your neighborhood or in your condo community. Um, okay, let's, we're going to close today with uh, 
the series with this passage. And this one's fun. We're going we're gonna to talk about something, uh, maybe a goal for the next couple months for us with, with our neighbors. And it's, it, it's found in Luke chapter 5, but it's also found in, in two other gospels or two other tellings of the stories of Jesus. And so it's an important one. It's, it's repeated in, in the different um, stories about Jesus. And here's what it says. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi, and his name was also Matthew, um, so another, another way to say Matthew, Levi, um, sitting at the tax collector booth. Now, in this day, uh, back, back in the days of, of Jesus in the first century, um, tax collectors were despised people. I know it's different in today's world, and we can't really <laughs> connect with them. I know that we love tax collectors in our day, but in that day, they hated tax collectors. He was despised. And one of the reasons why they were despised is because they were extortionists. They, they, they would take more than they actually were intended to take because they had the power to do that. And Levi was interesting because G, Levi was, was Jewish by birth, but he was working with the Roman authorities as a tax collector. And so none of the Jewish people of that region would have liked Levi. They would have hated him. He was despised. He was taking money that wasn't his from everyone. Jesus stops. He stops as he passes Levi and he says this, follow me and be my disciple. So Levi got up, he left everything and followed him. Now, when you read this or when you hear this, don't you think to yourself, really, he just got up and left everything? Like, it's like he doesn't even know the guy. I mean, this is the whole story. Like, nothing else happens, but he's, he's sitting there, he's taking money from people, and Jesus passes by, and he says, hey, follow me, be my disciple, and something about that makes Levi jump up and just leave? Like, he left everything without hearing anything else? Um, it's the story that we have, but there's, some, there's like some context to it. There, there's probably some deeper things going on here. Uh, for example, in the Jewish world, uh, it was like the highest honor to be invited by a rabbi to be their disciple. So any like local rabbis who invited a young Jewish boy along, like this was the, this was the big thing. It was like, oh, you, you, you want me? Okay. Like I'd, I would do anything to, to be like the local rabbi. They, they, were, they weren't like pastors today. Like pastors today, people just close the door on you. But back in that day, I mean, it was, a rabbi was a big deal. And so... Here's a rabbi, Jesus, who's inviting Levi, Matthew, to follow him. In other words, he's saying, I choose you. I choose you. In a, in a world where maybe you haven't been chosen, where in a world, your world, where everybody hates you because you're taking their money, I actually choose you to come with me. This probably like stirred something deep within him. Now, here's the other thing that, that I think is interesting. Levi was probably making as much money as he wanted to make because he had the ability to kind of set the tax rates for those who were coming and going from this town. So he was probably making as much as he wanted. And, and what I find interesting is that he just gets up and leaves like all the potential of what he could make. And what it tells me, and I know I'm reading kind of between the lines here, what it tells me is that Matthew or Levi was unfulfilled even with all that he had. There was something that wasn't fulfilling about what he had. Like he had money, he 
had stuff. He had no friends, <laughs> other tax collectors, but, but it was unfulfilling to him. And when Jesus invited him, he said, I'm going. Now listen, I, I think for each one of us, this invitation comes along. Like Jesus chooses you and he chooses me. Not, maybe not to be a rabbi or a, a preacher or a teacher or anything like that, but he, he chooses us to, to join in his mission of loving this world. He chooses you to do that. And I believe this series teaches us that he, he chooses you where you are placed, where you live. And he chooses you to be his ambassador in that spot, wherever it is that you are. And, and I think we oftentimes fail to realize that the God of the world, the God who has all power, the God who created everything that we see, the God who put us together, that God chooses us to be his missionaries in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces and in the places where we are working out our hobbies. Like he chooses us to do that. And this, this should do something within us. Look, I, I know many of us are unfulfilled by the lives that we live. Um, some, some of you have reached high levels of success, and, and you still at times feel like there's something unfulfilling about that. I'm proud of the work that I've done, but there's something still yet to be fulfilled deep within me. Well, this is God's call on you, is, is to, to be a part of something bigger than you, more than what you can do. And, and Jesus invites Levi, and, and Levi gets up and follows him. Um, throughout this series, I've been reading a book called, uh, it, it's, it's A Man Named Uwe. Has anybody read the book A Man Named Uwe? A few of you? It's a Swedish book, and um, it's, it's a fascinating little novel. Um, there's a man, his name is Uwe, just seeing if you're listening. Um, a man named Uwe. And Uwe's wife has died, and he worked for this, this company for like 40 years, and he's laid off uh, from his job. And so Uwe d decides that there's no reason left to live. Like, he doesn't have his, the love of his life, and, and he doesn't have his job anymore, which he loved. And so, oh, uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the book. But it's still a great book to read. Um, so he decides to take his life, to take his own life. Um, but every time he comes to the point of taking his own life, one of his neighbors interrupts him because they need something. You know, they knock on the door, and he's trying to hang himself or something, and he's, he, he gets so mad at his neighbors because they keep interrupting him, and they don't know what they're keeping him from. It's, there's some humor in the book. Um, and, and finally, like, he realizes that his neighbors actually need him, and it changes everything for him. It's, it's, a, it's a great book about neighboring and the value of our neighbors. And this is what Jesus calls us to do, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Later, uh, Levi holds a dinner party in his home with Jesus as his guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors, probably because nobody else would come, because nobody liked him, uh, and, and there were some other guests who also ate there. But the religious people complained bitterly. Now, why did the religious people complain? Because Jesus was eating with people who were not reputable. Because Jesus was choosing to eat with just anyone. The religious people were upset. And here Levi was just simply getting people together. What the world needs now, love. 
right? Just getting people together. It doesn't matter where they come from. Levi's just like, hey, I'm going to throw a party and Jesus is going to be here. And so Jesus answers these religious people with this simple statement. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Just a simple statement. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Now, what's interesting is some of us see that, and there's been times I've read through this passage, and and I find myself going, oh, well, the religious people didn't need a doctor. I don't think that's what Jesus was saying. Uh, I I think Jesus would say, well, the religious people needed a doctor. They just didn't know it. But he was there for anyone who was willing to turn back to him. Anyone. No one excluded from that, just to sit around a table and eat together. Because eating together changes everything. Sitting around a table changes everything. When we do that together, uh, we begin to get into each other's lives in a a way that we can't in any any other way. Um, I I wrote this down as I was just making notes, this this idea that um, we may be, or you may be, the only glimpse of God's love your neighbor ever sees. You may be the only glimpse of God's love and his mercy and his hope and his peace that, that your neighbor ever sees. That, that in and of itself, what if God put you in your neighborhood for that simple reason? I may be the only glimpse of God's love that my neighbors ever see. And regardless of if, they, if there's ever this story about them, them finding Jesus and following him, regardless, the fact that we could, could be that ambassador of his love to someone else, so that someone else could feel love rather than shame, feel love rather than hate. How important is that? In, in a world where, just this weekend, a, a, a man in a, in, a, in a bar, I think, asks someone, what country are you from, and pulls out a gun and shoots them. I mean, how much does our world and our country need simple acts of grace and love for other people? And this is what Christians are called to do. In fact, this is what Jesus says is the most important thing we can do. That's, this is what we're to do. Us. We're to be a light. So um, we've been using this, this acronym, what if we were to be lights in our neighborhoods? It's just simple. Learn their names, invite them over, give something good, hear their stories, tell your story. And um, you know, we've talked about learning names. We've talked about being some flavor for our neighbors. But now... What if you were to actually invite them over? I know it's scary. I can invite them into my house? Maybe start with your driveway outside. (laughs) (laughs) Invite them into my backyard? That would mean I have to cut down the weeds and the bushes. And Yes, invite, invite them over and hear their stories. Hear their stories and tell your story. Now, some of you are like, like, what kind of story? Like, is this like a religious thing? Like, I have to tell them some kind of... No, 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 just tell... You know what happens when you ask somebody, hey, are you from here? Where are you from? Like, the story starts. And then they say, hey, are you from here? No, no, I grew up in Alabama. Alabama? Yeah, I grew up in Alabama, where we fry everything. Everybody's a redneck. Like, I disguise my voice so you can't tell, but I am a redneck, too. Like, how'd you get out here? Well, then I moved to Indiana, and I was in Oklahoma for a while. And I mean, like the story just starts. Like, listen to people's stories and ask them questions. Oh, you, you, you lived in Canada? I just saw this commercial from Canada, and it's about like this eating together kind of a movement. Have you, have you seen that? No, I haven't seen that. I love Canadians. <laughs> I mean, you just start telling stories and listening to stories and, and see what happens. So here's the, here's the homework. 
and this doesn't have to be done this week, but maybe over the next couple months, um, throw a party, like a real party, not like, not like a, a week, you know, second-rate party. Like throw a party, throw a dinner party. Out, it could be outside in your front yard. It can be in your backyard. It can be inside your house. Just throw a party. It could be a dessert party. Just throw a party, a good party with music. Music's good. Um, and then invite Jesus to show up. As you, as you plan and prepare, now I don't mean in like some weird way, like when everybody gets to your house, don't go, I just want everyone to know that I've invited Jesus to show up at the party tonight. <laughs> like, don't do that. That will create walls, not bridges, right? But, 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 but as you're planning, and maybe as you're inviting people, like if you write invitations and you're passing them out, um, as you're doing this, um, simply invite Jesus to show up. And then see what happens. Just see what happens. Maybe nothing happens, except for everybody goes, we should do this again. Do it again. Uh, last night... Last night, we were kind of walking around and saying hi to some neighbors, and uh, one of our neighbors said, hey, you know, like six years ago, we had a block party, and we, we, we grilled in the front yard, and we invited everybody, and, and we said, well, what happened? And they said, well, everybody came, like the whole street came. It was awesome. And, um, and then she said, and, we, and everybody said, we should do this again, but we haven't done it for six years. And so Robin and I said, well, we should do it again, and, and we're the newbies, so we'll We'll, do, we'll, like, we'll, like, initiate it. We're going to throw a party. And, and one after the next, our neighbors said, we'll help. Like, count me in. We'll, we'll help put it together. Like, we'll bring this or we'll bring that. And we've got tables. We've got chairs. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, throw a party and invite your neighbors in and see, see what happens. Um, there's this, this pastor uh, up in Chicago named uh, Bill Hybels. And some of you know uh, of, of of Bill and, and Willow Creek Church, which we're connected to in a, in a loose affiliation. Um, and Bill, years ago, he started these things, he calls them Matthew parties, after this story. Uh, he calls them Matthew parties, and he just invites neighbors, and, the, and the, it's nothing about church, or he just invites his neighbors over, and he invites Jesus to show up. And the stories that he can tell after doing this for years and years is unbelievable. Like one of his neighbors who lives kind of across the street, when he found out Bill was a pastor, he said, let's just be clear. Uh, I'm not going to go to church, so don't ever invite me, and we'll be good. And Bill said, I'll never invite you. We'll be good. That's good. So he just started this relationship with the guy. And the guy uh, owned a Ford dealership, and so Bill said, well, let's just be clear. Don't ever try to sell me, don't ever try to sell me a Ford. We'll be good. And uh, the guy said, okay, you don't invite me to church, I won't sell you a Ford. Uh, you'll just have to buy a lot more cars. Some, he said something like that. Anyway, um, uh, eventually, the guy, the guy says to Bill, um, Bill, don't you guys have, like, Christmas, ser- like, it was getting close to Christmas, do you guys have, like, Christmas Eve services or anything? And Bill said, yeah, I, but I don't want to, like, step, this was, like, four or five years later, I don't want to step over the bounds and, and invite you to something, because I told you I'd never do that. And he said, well, I think we might come. And then, like, a couple years later, he started coming to Christmas and Easter, Christmas and Easter, and... Uh, this, this one year, he said, Bill, I loved, your, I loved your sermon so much. It was like life-changing for me. I, I just loved it. And uh, then the guy didn't show up at church till Easter. And Bill said, I wanted to tell him that we had church every week, like not just <laughs> twice a year. 
but I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to overstep my bounds, you know, I just, and so I didn't, and he said, but eventually, the, the guy, um, one, one, I think it was Christmas Eve, gave his life to Christ, and Bill said, that's, that started because of the parties that we started having, like, seven or eight years ago. Throw a party, throw a good dinner party, invite some people, invite Jesus to show up and see what happens. See if God wouldn't use you as an ambassador of his love and grace. Hey, we're going to sing one last song, and uh, we we like to do this every week, give you just some space to think and pray and and maybe respond to whatever it is God's putting on your heart. And um, you may just want to stand and sing, or you might want to sit and pray. Uh, We have this cross here. And the cross kind of represents God's grace for us, his love, his mercy, his hope. And um, maybe you want to come and, and write something on one of these pieces of paper and put it on the cross. Maybe there's, there's a neighbor for you that uh, in this series you, you've met and you, and you know they need God's grace. And maybe you just want to write their name down and put it on the cross just as your way of just saying, God, I, I want to be an ambassador of your grace and your love. Maybe it's somebody at your office uh, a classmate, whatever. Uh, maybe you want to come to the cross and do that. Uh, you, you might have walked in this place with, with a heavy heart and uh, you've kind of tuned out of the whole sermon and that's okay. Um, maybe God's doing something else in your heart and you just want to write something or a prayer or a confession, anything like that, and just bring it to the cross. Feel free to do that as we sing. And then in the back of the room are some candles. And uh, in the Bible, light represents God's presence. So the idea is, is wherever light is, God is there. And so maybe today you've walked into this place and you just feel alone in your, your situation, whatever it is, and, and you need God to show up. Um, maybe lighting a candle and just simply saying, God, I need your presence to show up in my life. Maybe, maybe you want to light a candle um, for a son, a daughter, a friend, a parent, a child, a neighbor. I have friends here in the, in the church who, who light a candle every week for their kids because they know their, their kids need, need God's presence. So maybe you want to just light a candle and, and ask God to show up. Uh, we just want to give you some space. So let's, let's stand together to start. And then um, as we sing this last song, just feel the freedom to move around the room and respond however you want to do that. Father God, you are a good God. And uh, you're full of grace and mercy and hope and peace. And um, God, you invite us you invite us on the journey. You, you invite us to be your ambassadors. Uh, and, and, it, and it probably starts with our neighbors, those who live right next door to us. So God, as we've walked through this series of, of, of the art of neighboring, I, I pray that you've stirred something within us. I, I pray you've, you've stirred this uh, desire to, to see our neighbors, to, to know their names. I, I pray that you've, you've stirred some compassion within us to, to actually love our neighbors in practical ways. God, whatever it is that you've stirred within us, I pray that you would continue that work in us. In these moments, as we, we kind of focus on, on you and whatever you might want to do within us, I, I pray that our thoughts, or our, our words would be pleasing in your sight. We pray this in the name of, of Jesus. Amen.